Hello. Hello. Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Sarah Black. And I'm Jeffrey Lilly. And today we are starting our little series on the House of Seven Gables. And specifically for this episode, focusing on its mm, founder. Founder, that's the word I was going to go with. Establisher. Yeah. uh, The mastermind behind the building. mm, Behind the... The physical building. This space as it's used today. I like that. Yeah. We're talking about Caroline Emerton. Uh, probably one of the most important uh, figures in Salem history. Definitely. And might I say a badass woman because, you know, women don't get enough cred through history. It's a, it's a, a very popular a tourist destination, one of probably, I mean, everyone goes to see the House of Seven Gables. Um, but it wouldn't exist without her. And the layered measures of history that we get with the building, the stories we get from the building, the the, the history of the establishment uh, and how it has contributed to Salem's history, none of that would exist without her efforts. But before we jump into the episode, of course, we've got our regular to-do list. Tour time. Da-da-da-da. Sure. You know what we should do? We shouldn't because that's a lot of work. Go through every episode and pick out like the tour time conversations. That's a great idea. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> and then, like each one has a different intro because each one I'm like, we're going to come up with music. Yeah. And it's just like stupid every time. We're, um, yeah. When we... I'll, I'll add it to the bottom of my to-do list. <laughs> I've got I've got one of those. There's things on it from like four years ago. Oh, yep. Ask me that. ask me in four years. Okay, okay. But yes, tour time. Dunna, dunna. What do we, dude? <laughs> what do we got? Hit, uh, hit me. I, okay, so uh, I had some good tours this week. Nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing uh, um, out there. Oh, passing bit of advice: if you book a tour, wherever you go. Whether it's in Salem or somewhere else, uh, double check your receipt for the day you booked it. And oh no, don't message someone randomly and be like, "I was supposed to take a tour this day, but I bought it for the day I booked it two months ago." Oh no, can I get a refund? Oh no, dude. I'm like, oh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. Pro- probably. Yeah. But like you, you got a receipt, you got a follow up email. Some people just make mistakes. I know, I know. And like we've all, and like don't, some people book it and it comes in. I get a phone call like 30 seconds later. Oh my gosh, it's the wrong date. Yeah. Da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, we got you. I'll just change it. I'll rebook it. No problem. But like a month after you missed the tour. Yikes. Anyway, that wasn't the worst thing. Okay. Okay. So um, I was leaving the office. Downtown Salem, little uh, work bar. It's like one of those joint work areas, right? Co-op, co-op, things. yeah. And uh, head to my car. I pass another tour, and as you do, I'm sure, as every other, t- you you use drop a little bit. You're like, what, what, what are they yep. saying? Right? I try not to look like too much of a creep. Yeah, but yes, but you gotta, you know. Yep. Or I just start walking very slowly. <laughs> or or all of a sudden something interesting on your phone comes up, and you've just gotta, you know. No, because then that illuminates your face. I never want them to see oh, at me. Night? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You it be was very... it was still light out. Okay. And I overhear this tour guide 
say to the group, Oh man, I'm excited. And this yellow line on the ground <gasps> no. is a self-guided tour of all the Salem witch trial sites. Oh. But it's over 10 miles long. What? <laughs> so it's best if you just stick with me. Oh my. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, um, I feel like that guide heard the 10 miles of tunnels. That's, that's what I was thinking. Under the city. And somehow it's, transpose that onto that stupid yellow line. It's a, so now that, and that's what I thought. I was like, oh my gosh! So now the yellow, the ten miles of yellow line, is <laughs> like the above ground map of the ten miles of secret tunnels. Oh my god! That's I'm like, so just, funny. I'm sitting there like ten miles. I'm like, I think I could get to Target and back again. Oh my god! For like. In, in 10 miles. Oh, that's way less than 10 miles. Right. I'm that's like, less than 10 miles. I'm like, I think I could get to the North Shore Mall and back yes, again. Yes, you could. In 10 miles. I was like. Calm uh, down, bro. Oh, my gosh. I can't mi- believe Yellow that. line is, I, I was like. See, you know, they shouldn't have gotten rid of the test because I know that question was on there. What's the <laughs> red line? Uh, wow. I, but it's not. Who? Do you not have a sense of. It, and so what I was also thinking is, is did you laugh out loud? I was like, I was just like, why did you even, that's not even true. And don't get me wrong. Tour guides are like secret comedians, right? We got jokes. Um, you got to make the, the top, you got to get your guys to laugh. You got to, they got to have fun, but this wasn't even a joke. It wasn't even like, uh, follow the yellow brick road or stay to the left side. You know, yeah. like there's a lot of Joe or the yellow lines like, Oh no, it's not a traffic line. You know, like it's a traffic line. If I, if they said it was a traffic line for tourists in October, so we all stand, I'd be like, Oh, ha ha. That's funny. Right. 10 months. Do you not even. Yeah. I don't know. I don't oh, know. that's great. I can't believe you held on to that one. <laughs> I would have texted you immediately. I was like, Oh, this is going to say, it's going to. Wow. <laughs> So I don't know, I, for some reason, tour time's escaping me this week. Maybe, no offense to my tour groups. Well, sometimes Maybe, they're just, they're just good. They're just class, they're fun. There's oh, I nothing. was going to say bland. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, just, just. Oh, I had a bunch of dogs this week. Oh, that's I had good. three dogs. I had two last night. It was great. I had a dog a couple weeks ago with like a big poofy collar thing, right? Uh-huh. Like a. Oh, like a... I want to say like a, like a tutu, but it wasn't like... Like a, one of the things they would wear in like royal courts Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was Halloween, so it was all orange and black with pumpkins and, and That's adorable. and stuff. Yeah. I do have a tour time. Okay. Oh, okay, um, I came back to you. So I've been giving 4 p.m. tours recently. Yes, yes. And uh, I walked down that... Um, what's that throughway called? The Greenway right alongside the Peabody Essex Museum? Axelrod... Yes, that path path or walkway. Yeah. So I'll peel off to the side before we hit the Salem Witch Trials Memorial. So I take a little seated area. Um, actually in the grass. So they like to look at the blue trees. Did you see there's a new plaque? Yes, I did. Nice little wayside sign, and um, it's a lot less distracting than sitting in that little. Rocky area uh, with people passing by. So I've noticed the last couple times as I bring my group back after the memorial, the sprinklers are on 
And I was like, oh, shoot, one of these days, man, they're going to get me. And it happened like twice in a row. I was like, okay, so they must come on shortly after we leave. And so I'm given a tour. We're all in the grass. I put someone on trial. It's going great. It's really funny. And then all of a sudden, this weird spurting noise, like, starts coming up. (laughs) And no one knows what's happening. And the... The sprinkler head, I looked down, it's right in the middle of all of us. So we had formed like a circle and it, it took a second. Thank goodness it took a second. It didn't just come right on. And I was just like, get off, get off, get off. And then the sprinklers come on and then they look at the person who was on trial and they're like, it was witch, like, witch, witch. <laughs> she is a witch. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. Oh, so we, we made it out alive. Oof, thank goodness. No, I no. mean, it would have been horrible because then they would have melted. That's so good. That is so good. See, we got jokes. We got jokes. And I did want to mention one last thing. Um, I may have told you this story already, but I was hanging out with one of my beer works regulars mm-hmm. again, the one who has been in Salem for generations at this point. Like Family with the mug? Yeah. Teacup? The aunt had yeah, gone yeah. back she had lost everything in the great fire of 1914 goes back to her home and only retrieves like a burnt teacup so that guy his grandfather was also an irish cop working for the city of salem who used to get beer during prohibition from a speakeasy down on derby street like a little past bunghole it was a private res- oh, residence the house okay. still stands it's that big blackish brown one with the red doors oh, right on a, derby it's a gorgeous house gorgeous house yeah, yeah that they was for sale recently a couple of years ago yeah 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 well his police officer grandfather used to go buy beer for his wife there so we were chatting about the podcast and the topics we are we've been covering and i mentioned how we discussed daniel low and company and he remembers going into the department store back in the day which we aren't surprised about that right like a lot of people who live in salem today remember going into daniel low and company Like, it wasn't that long ago. Oh, and by the way, he remembers the big staircase, which is just incredible. Remember the staircase that... We didn't get a picture of. We can't... If anyone has a picture of the staircase that was in Daniel Lowe and company, now Rockefellers. Rockefellers has one. Maybe. We should ask. We'll go in. Yeah. We'll do a mystery shot, and we'll ask if they have old photographs. So he goes in with his mom one day, and he's like three or four years old at the time, and he's sitting on the floor because, like, he's a child. He's a toddler. And the owner looks at him and in like the strongest Boston North Shore accent, he goes, hey, kid, if you're going to sit on the floor, get out of here. And so that was, um, was that pretty good? I, I wasn't going to say that, but continue. Oh, you didn't like that? I didn't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets up and he gets out of there. The, Dude you, just walks out the front door, a little toddler. The owner just shoot him out. And his poor, the, his poor mother It's like, where's my child? That's kind of giving me a little, uh, a, a little Caroline Emerson vibes there. Oh, my gosh. That's so something she would do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> from from this, some of the stories that I read, it's definitely like, mm, okay. Independent as F. Yeah. But, oh, we should get like a, yeah, we need to find a picture of that damn staircase. One day, we'll put it. We'll put it on. A, we'll put it on a T-shirt. We found it. I was gonna say uh, on the to-do list. Ooh, let's put it. Let's 
get a picture and then we'll Photoshop a ghost into it and then put it on a t-shirt. Can I like bash my... No, I think people like it. Ow. Quick news thing again. Just want to, again, plug Arts Fest. Um, if you're coming in first week in June, uh, come check that out and come see the magic shows. For the best weekend of the summer. Yeah. It truly is. I'm so excited. It should be pretty good. It should be pretty fun. I'm excited to go around and see all the artists and vendors and performances and music. And it's yeah. it's really cool. Energy is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So Arts Fest in like three weeks. Yay. Oh, know what I also thought of? No. You were thinking, you know, what sh- you kept on saying, what should we do? Like, I feel like we should do something. Yeah, yeah. Let's bring out the mini mic on Sunday. Okay. Since you got your magic shows going on on Saturday, we can gallivant around town with a little mini mic and do quick interviews. Maybe we could uh, take a 10 mile walk around that yellow line. Find out how long it really is. Mm, probably like <laughs> a mile and a half. No, it zigzags. It goes down maybe two miles. Maybe. I could just ask. That too. Yeah. <laughs> Any other news? I don't think so. Uh, I think we have some Patreon shout outs. Yeah, we got a couple new Patreons this week. A big thank you to April. April showers bring me flowers. And uh, got one other that's going to be Scott Collier. Scott. A name may sound familiar to some of you. Uh, if you listen to our Love Nuggets, Love Nuggets episode, uh, Scott is Mr. Uh, Naked Proposal. Mr. Uh, Naked Proposal. <laughs> Love that name. And uh, as I mentioned last week, they, uh, they joined me on tour. Uh, as well recently so uh shout out to them congratulations again and and good to meet you guys uh so yeah thank you scott thank you arlie you guys are awesome all right i think that is all for today yes thanks for listening shut up let's (laughs) head into the episode so we are talking about caroline emerton Osgood Emerton. Osgood Emerton descended from one of the wealthiest families in Salem. She was a philanthropist, a preservationist, and as we said, the reason why the House of Seven Gables stands as it is today. Um, and that's just about all we know. Oh, we know more than that. <laughs> but we know, so... She's a little elusive, though. She is. I was... So when we sit down and we do this research... um. It tends to be fairly easy, right? Because there's especially where they were born, where they were from. It's where very they, straightforward. Right. And they they went to school here. They married here. They da-da-da, right? So there's a lot of record of a lot of these people. Even someone like Charlotte Fortin, who um, is a little elusive, there's still like documented papers. She moved here. She taught here. She worked here. She was hired here, right? It also helps that she was a writer and she was published. Yeah. Um, but even the people in the witch trials, right? From for, there's like not a lot on Caroline Emerson. We know, like where'd she go to school? Well, she was homeschooled. She was educated. No record of where. Which yeah, like no diary. No. Um, I wonder if there's letters of hers that exist. There, you would I, think. I think there's some, but there's not like a lot of correspondence. Um, so there's like some personal correspondence. No private journals. No diaries. She was never married. No kids. And so that leaves, like, the paper trail very minimal. It's like, 
when you're looking, you're like, oh. So one of the best ways to understand her is to really learn about her within her historical time, like yeah. her context. Yeah. So we will be talking about, you know, the preservationist movement and how that took off in Salem and how she was a part of that. We're going to be discussing the progressive era and the settlement movement, which is what prompted her to redo the House of Seven Gables. Mm -hmm. And we will be talking about the house itself um, because, as we said, she had a real hand in creating the interpretation that we see today, the building we see today. Interpretation. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's um, it's hard not to think of it as such after learning like the different changes it's gone right. through. Uh, and she's also responsible for a lot of like how Salem looks today, at, le- at least that neighborhood. And I can sort of see uh, some of the influence of what she was working on throughout other parts of Salem as well. Mm-hmm. So she was born. On April 21st, 1866. That makes her a Taurus. Oh, I totally forgot to do this again. <laughs> it's, a, I, it's okay. It, leave it to me. I'll sometimes remember. Did you Did you look up no. trait? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, I will look up Taurus fact. traits. <laughs> we'll see if it's like bold, independent. Uh, ah, I like, oh, hold on. Oh, no, sorry. This is sun in Taurus. Oh, I don't know what any of that means. Taurus traits. Kind, generous, trustworthy, determined, hardworking, gentle and kind, loyal, patient, steadfast, and independent. I think some of those hit the nail on the head. I think so, too. Yeah. She is definitely a woman that I would aspire to be. Um, She's in a category all herself. Shout out to Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery Podcast because they have a great um, episode on Caroline and the House of Seven Gables. I believe I heard that she was dubbed the Woman of the Century or Salem's Woman of the Century by the Salem Evening News in the late 1900s. So she is a very... Compelling. Yes. I... As I was reading, and I guess, I don't know where we can throw this in. You can cut and paste this if you need to. Um, the philanthropy, right? It, the, and that stands on its own and, and her her generosity and, and willingness to, uh, to help, to educate, to donate uh, was, you know, remarkable. And I've always thought like, you know, the billionaires and billionaires today, right? And I was like, "What? what's wrong with you people? Like, why? If I had, like, $100 billion, I'd donate, like, $99 billion of it, mm-hmm. right? Like, part of that's, like, a little bit, you're like, I'm going to make libraries and roads. And- well, that was a huge thing back in this time. Yeah, and she's just, like, she's she's inherited wealth, she's independent, she's educated, and she's like, let's help the community. She's in the league of, um, I, I may say this wrong, Carnegie. I I believe it's Carnegie. I I don't know if it's that. Mm. Carnegie. Mm. What? Mm. I think it might be Carnegie. Mm. I, I, I or I was gonna I, say Carnegie, but that's not no, right. No, it's Carnegie. Carnegie. Carnegie Hall. Yeah, that's, yeah. I I believe it is actually Carnegie. 
which I don't like, and it it makes me uncomfortable to even admit that. But I'm I think I'm right. But he opened up, I think, libraries yeah, all yeah, over the country. Yeah. He actually opened up one in um, the town above me. Oh, I have yeah. been to his grave. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Andrew, right? Andrew yes. Carnegie. I'm going to say Carnegie still. I think it's Carnegie. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but she is very much like in this realm of people. Like she goes above and beyond for the community. Yeah. And I, it seems like it's just like an inner desire to help. She found a mission in life and she pursued it. But I think her background plays a, a definite role in that. Yeah, for sure. So she's born in 1866. Where is Salem at this moment in time? Transitional? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, so we're coming out of the Great Eight world. Like, the Great Eight sale is done, right? Yeah. Uh, our harbor is too small. Uh, ships are too big. Um, industry is taking over. So it is the industrial revolution. We're heading into that. We're heading into that. So we have, you know, the rise of factories and industry and leatherworking and mills and cotton and all, and all these things, uh, especially here in New England. And we've talked a little bit about the mills and stuff in, in Salem, but uh, New England is a huge mill. Area? Area, yeah. Because yeah. of all the waterways, the mm -hmm. lumber. And uh, Salem is following in that transition. Of course, we still have the harbor. We don't have a lot of waterways, but we are becoming much more industrialized. And she is living in a time uh, of transition. So she is seeing that. But the wealth from this great age of sale still lingers, especially in her family. So both of her grandfathers on both her mother and father's sides made a ton of money during this prosperous age. Uh, the wealthiest of them was John Bertram, who we have mentioned before. I don't know why. I am so intrigued by this dude. I don't know if it's just because he's like my historical neighbor, but like I really want to do an episode on him. I mean, for sure. I think I, he was considered... Uh, one of the last great wealthy uh, uh, men of Salem. Yep. Um, and he leaves a distinct uh, social footprint. So she follows in his footsteps, but the public library, the John Bertram house. Well, the, sorry, we talked about this. We did a little bit, but let's refresh people. So when Caroline is just seven, her grandfather Bertram donated $25,000 to the to build the Salem Hospital. Yes. This is in 1873. So he is responsible, in which it still stands. It's a highly utilized hospital here in town. Most people don't even know we have a hospital. <laughs> like, like when people are like, how big is Salem? I'm like, okay, so we have this little like mile, square mile or two downtown. And then we have I'm a like, university. We have a hospital. I'm like, there's a Walmart and a Target and grocery stores. Yeah. And, and people look at me like. Where is that? Like, I'm like, you just go. Just down that road. Like literally a mile. Yeah. And you're there. Yeah. Um, so he is responsible for the Salem Hospital being established. He also was behind the Bertram Home for Aged Men, which opened in 1877, and that is still around today. And that is right on the common. Gorgeous building. Beautiful building. It's not just for men anymore. Yes. So that's cool. Which I didn't know until recently. Re recently? Did you like get onto their website? No, no, oh, I, I did because <laughs> they have history on their website. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I think I was like driving by, and like I 
I can't remember who I, I said it, right? I was like, oh, for, for men. And they're like, no, it's for men and women. I was like, oh, but it's <laughs> the. And then like in my head, I was like, of course, it's not just for men anymore. Of course not. Right. But it's. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, historically, that's what it was. Yeah. It was mostly for like aged sailors. Um, so she is growing up in this household. Oh, and then his, his home. Event is, is the public library. Is the public library, which is so cool to think about. I was trying to find Caroline's obituary. <laughs> um, accidentally looked up the wrong year. So that's my bad. Maybe we'll be able to add this in. I'll definitely go check it out after mm -hmm. this. But I was in the Salem Public Library looking at the microfilm because that's the only way you can access the Salem Evening News. And so I'm like, I'm sitting in John Bertram's house hunting down his granddaughter's obituary. Who like, was in the house. Oh, that's so weird to think about. That's yeah. so cool. She was. She would have been, you know, running around playing, yeah, whatever, and, and you know, kicking up mud and being a kid. And, so crazy. Yeah. So she is growing up in this atmosphere of uh, wealth, but also charity. Not just her grandfather's, though. It kind of trickled down. Her mother, Jenny Bertram Emerton, was also known for such traits. I saw that in her obituary, it said, quote, she was the richest woman in Salem, well known for her charitable disposition and ever ready to extend a helping hand to those who were desirous of helping themselves. And that's exactly she passed that uh, willingness to help on to her daughter. Uh, so Caroline. Yeah, as you said, we don't really know much about her early life. Uh, it's likely that she was very, very likely that she was tutored at home. Yeah, so we know she is well educated, uh, but there doesn't seem to be a record of any formal education. So then the likely belief is private tutors, which we don't know for sure, which I was thinking is weird because she died in 1942. So like, I, I know that there are people who have been interviewed who knew her. I think they have likely all since passed on yes um but for her 150th birthday celebration in 2016 mm -hmm. i'm getting that right yes um at the house of seven gables they interviewed some of the staff from the 1930s and 40s who were who remember her who were very elderly at that time but remember her and given the fact that we had access to that it wasn't like no one she was never like Never, I guess. Maybe just don't talk about it. Yeah, maybe she's just more of a private person yeah, when it comes yeah. to her personal life. Yeah. So as we said, we have to learn about her through her activities, through her career. Her her black limo. Her what? Black limo. No, you didn't see that? I did not see that. <laughs> she had like a big black limo. I did not see that. She would like drive. I don't think she drove it. She was driven around town. Where did you see that? Like a few places. Oh my gosh, that's bizarre. <laughs> so like that was like her ride. She'd like roll up in this limo. And I guess she was very charitable with it. She'd let uh, kids ride in it and stuff all the yeah, time as limos well. limos are cool when yeah. you're a kid. <laughs> Especially in like the 1920s and 30s. Yeah. So she'd just like be rolling up and like here comes Caroline Everton down the street in her limo. That's wild. <laughs> I had no idea. I did not see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So I think we also need to understand sort of something else that's going on at this point in time, which drives her or inspires her. Uh, to do what she does with what is now 
the house of seven gables and a lot of her other uh charitable works so during this time as she's coming of age the settlement movement in America is starting. Most would argue it began with Jane Adams, who, uh, real quick plug, History Chicks does a great episode on her. Okay. Um, Jane Adams created the whole house in Chicago in 1889, and that's pretty much the first settlement house here in the U.S. By 1900, just 10 years later, 400 settlements have been established around the country, uh, specifically in big cities like New York, Chicago, Boston, and I guess you could think of settlement houses. Think about the time that they're living in. This is the late 1800s. You have a lot of immigrants coming in. Massive amounts of immigrants. Yes, thousands, tens of thousands. And they're seeking work. They're seeking places to live. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to help educate and acclimate them to their new home. Right. So we all, we've learned, we've all learned about the Industrial Revolution, right? And so you have like, kids growing up on a farm and then moving to a big city and they don't they're like i'm gonna go find my fortune whatever right mm-hmm. like but then they get there and like where do you live what do you do you need textiles industry sewing weaving you need a job health care medicine child care uh you know you don't you don't have a kid and you don't have 12 brothers and sisters to in your family right so what do you do so these settlement houses provided an avenue for a lot of these people coming from um, either foreign countries was the because settlement. So you're, you're resettling is where that comes from. Um, but the necessary skills you're going to need, which is pretty cool. So in 1892, Caroline actually paid a visit to Tonaby Hall in London, which is said to be pretty much the first settlement house in the world uh, that really kicked off this movement. So she was 26 at this time. Uh, Again, unmarried. You know, she's not following the traditional path of a woman, which I think is so cool. She's already kind of going against the grain, Mm -hmm. seeking out more in life. Well, she wasn't married, so, you know, she had time. She had time. (laughs) And uh, no controlling husband to worry about. Or the finances or whatever. Yeah, or children. By 1894, she was a board member at a local orphanage in Salem, as well as a board member for the Preservation of New England Antiquities. So the the Orphan Society, that's, was it, that's the one for uh, the orphans and widows of men lost at sea, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah which I like... Very Salem. But also like pretty standard for the time. Yeah, but but like as a coastal seafaring city, right? Yeah. Like it's I guess it's New England. Like you're not gonna get that in Michigan. No. Right, you know? Or like in many other places, but like Salem is that, you know, there's a there's a whole society. I don't know. There's actually been a lot of people that have died in on, the Great Lakes. On the Great Lakes, okay. Yeah. Okay, you're not gonna get that. You know what I mean? But yes, I know what you yeah. mean. It's a very New England thing. Yes. I, I felt like. Um, yeah. And uh, s- that second one I mentioned, Preservation of New England Antiquities, a.k.a. Historic New England. They are like the big bads in the museum world, mm-hmm. especially in this area. 
and she had a hand uh, in all of those. She was a board member and a, a founding found, board. Me- yeah. She's like, yeah, she's one of the first. Yeah. Now they have over 40 properties across New England, um, including a couple in Salem. They actually own the Phillips House on Chestnut Street, the only mansion you can tour on Chestnut that's open to the public. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. But along with tons of other properties, like yeah. I said, big bads. But she was one of the founding members, which is pretty cool. She was also on the board of Salem Hospital for a time, which I find very full circle since her grandfather. Yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, um, shit, shoot, what do you call it? Um, When... Kids of parents go to the same college. Legacy? Legacy, right? Yeah. So she was might have been like a legacy board member. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't just like some write-off. I was the granddaughter of the founder. She was like, they were probably like, oh, shit. Like, we're, she was a heavy hitter. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And moving on to her crowning jewel, in 1908, Caroline was part of a committee that was tasked to establish a settlement house here in Salem. The House of Seven Gables. So that itself didn't act as the settlement home. There was another building located, I believe, where the lawn is today, uh, right along the water. But the House of Seven Gables itself would serve as headquarters for the settlement, as well as bring in money. So it would be the income driver for their establishment. So it is still a settlement house. Which is so rad. And I didn't I didn't know this. Uh, like reading what she did with the place, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I saw, and I know that I knew what they did, but I didn't realize it functioned in the same way that it did when and why she established it. So, uh, and I'm sure you've seen uh, the naturalization Yep. Uh, ceremonies um, down there and they have like English language courses and educational courses. So they help the process of people wanting to, to move to America to, to become American citizens. And so they have their whole naturalization process on the front lawn on the Salem Harbor in front of the House of Seven Gables. And I always thought like, oh, that's just cool, right? Like it's a neat place to do you it. You didn't know that it was like... That that was like the point. Yeah. That that was like literally why it was there. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. I, like I knew they did it, like I said. And I was like, that's cool. But It's like living history. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know how we talk about Derby Square and how mm-hmm. it still functions as a market as it was originally intended to do. We're still doing that centuries later. Yeah. We're going to have one during the uh, Salem Arts Fest in a month here. Yeah. But the fact that the House Seven Gables still functions as it was intended you know, a century afterwards is pretty remarkable and a testament to her capabilities. Cleverness. Very much so. Because like you said, while the settlement was built there, it was the Gables itself that acted as an anchor to fund and fuel that establishment. And might I say, I am coming to this episode uh, newly seasoned in the experience. I have lived here for almost seven years and somehow managed to avoid the House of Seven Gables for those whole seven years. One one gable a year. Oh, oh I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But I finally went in. What do you I, think? Oh my God, it was amazing. Did you not go in last 
No, when they had like their special programming. No, 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 no. The 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 Bewitched episode with the um. Oh, with the. Oh, I didn't even look for the bed warmer. I bed didn't pan. even look. It's not a bed pan. <laughs> it's a bed warmer. I didn't even look. Actually, I do have a picture. Maybe it's in the picture. I'll have to look later. Um, but it was I, so I you, cool. No, maybe we just talked about. We going? just talked about okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Throw back to the Bewitched episode last year, guys. If you if you uh, want to know what we're talking about. It's so, it was so neat. They did bring up um, how she, it was featured in a comic book mm-hmm. later on, like Super or Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Goes up the secret yes, staircase. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think we had mentioned that too when we were talking about um, pop culture. Yeah. Maybe pop culture. Yeah. It must have been that. But it was just such a cool experience. The tour guide was incredible. Their tour guides are fabulous. Yeah. Like, which. I think, I mean, not this tour guide, um, is is uh, down to Caroline's interference. Have you have you heard this? Yeah, that yeah. she used to <laughs> sit in a chair in the room while the tour guide was giving the tour, and if they got something wrong, she would tap her cane on the floor a couple times, or or straight up correct them. Yep. Like there was like a, I, I saw sometimes it was a subtle like, <coughs> and sometimes <laughs> it was like a, ah, well, actually. Love it. Yeah. Can you imagine? And so I think, uh, so this was pre-1942, so 1920s and 30s. You're like, I'm giving a tour of the Gables. In walks Caroline Emerton and like just stands in the corner and listens to you. And Not and just your boss, but like the founder, <laughs> the creator. <laughs> I was like, ah, yes. Well, you're wrong. You need to do. And like, he'd be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> she may not be around anymore, but I tell you what, their training of their guys still absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very well done. The presentation was great. It was a relatively quick tour, it was about yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. But I saw a lot of the house. I would love to see a horror movie take place in that house because it is so weird and windy. And there's all these intricate rooms and hallways and secret doors um secret liquor cabinet which was cool and secret staircases secret stair i climbed the secret staircase i would go up and down that thing every day did you get a a pin you think you get a magnet or a they they sell magnets mugs pins all the things i'll get one next time so this is one of uh my most let's talk about how this goes down, right? Shall we just jump? Yes. Okay. So I, I, we got to backtrack a little bit. So she, wait, hold on. I guess we got to backtrack a lot. Yeah. Backtrack a lot. Okay. House, House Seven Gables. House Seven Gables. We got to talk about the, the Turner Ingersoll mansion. Yes. So okay. the house itself first built in 1668 mm-hmm. by John Turner and his wife, Elizabeth. Okay. So here's my conspiracy theory. How can you have a conspiracy theory about the House Seven Gables? I think that uh, Will Turner. Oh my God, shut up. And Elizabeth Swan. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't think it's too far of a leap to say John Turner and Elizabeth Turner and Will Turner and Elizabeth Turner. It's really funny because when I saw Turner, I did think of Will Turner. I did. I was like, oh my God. That's what I thought. Pirates of the Caribbean. Is that his name? And I saw Elizabeth and I was like, Elizabeth Turner and John Turner. And I was like, wait, hold on. And I, I. We'll probably never know if the writers of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, my God. No, they definitely did not. Oh, come on. I mean, it's not. No. He was. What did he do? What was he? He was. He was a merchant, but so was everyone and their mother. 
dude. No, most people in Salem were farmers. He was a very wealthy ship merchant. Did he die at sea? Was he lost at sea? I feel like he was. I think it's the um is it the it's second the next one. Okay, John. So this is John Turner the first. So John Turner the second's lost at sea. Huh. It's like these things are very common in that time period. But right? It's like I you you saw it. You made the connection. Yeah, but I don't think the writers did. But still entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> Anyway, so I had to get that. I've been sitting on that. I was like. Wow. <laughs> okay. So back to Salem. Yes. Out of the Caribbean. Yes. Um, so 1668, that means that the House of Seven Gables was standing during the Salem witch trials. And was likely the biggest, one of the biggest buildings uh, in Salem. Yep. Uh, Probably rivaled Philip English's house. Yeah. Which was just around the corner. Uh, so they were both incredibly wealthy merchants. Uh, and it goes through several iterations of the house. It is continuously built and lived in. So there's John Turner, then there's John Turner II, and there's John Turner III uh, before he sells it to Ingersoll. So that is where we get the Turner Ingersoll mansion from, which is actually what the House of Seven Gables is called. Did I get all that right? You did. Okay. That was perfect. <laughs> Three generations of Turner family. Yes. And then it passes on to Samuel Ingersoll in 1782. So after Samuel's death, his daughter assumed ownership of the house. This is kind of a cool parallel to Caroline Emerton. His daughter, Susanna Ingersoll, she never married, or actually I think she may have married, um, but then lost her husband and continued to stay single for the rest of her life. She inherited a decent-sized fortune, but kind of stayed independent, much like Caroline Emerton did, in mm -hmm. this house. Mm -hmm. And her cousin happened to be none other than... Nathaniel Hawthorne. Bingo. And little cousin. I think they were of... Similar age? Similar age. Okay, okay. Um... Younger cousin. He then visits her at the Turner Ingersoll house. So it was not the house of seven gables at that point in time. But it did have seven gables. It did not have seven gables. It did not have, right, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. It did not have seven gables. It only had, four? it had three or four Okay. at that time. Yeah. So the house itself went through several renditions yes. um, from even when the Turners owned it, they had added two additions to the house, the lean to, and then an entire front section that almost doubled the house's size. This is like, it's like 14 rooms or something. Yep. But that was ridiculously big, extremely large for this time. But then Gables kind of went out of style. And so they took some off when I believe it was when the Ingersolls owned yes, it. Yes, yes. So <clears throat> Hawthorne uh, visits the house and is inspired by the house to write his novel, The House of the Seven Gables. Um, and we'll be doing an episode on, two episodes probably on Hawthorne and talking about his literature and his writings and, and The House of Seven Gables. <laughs> the and novel, The House of Seven Gables. Yeah, as we mentioned at the beginning, this is going to be a series. Mm -hmm. So we're not only going to talk about Hawthorne, but we're actually going to go 
fingers crossed, inside the House of Seven Gables for an interview. Yes, that is next week, I believe. Wait, this is next. Yes. Anyway. So Nathaniel Hawthorne publishes his famous novel in 1851. Mm-hmm. It is still in the hands of Susanna Ingersoll, and it will change hands once again in 1883 when it comes into the possession of the Upton family. Now, at this point, Nathaniel Hawthorne's book has garnered enough attention. I mean, it was quite beloved by everyone. It has brought attention to the house itself. Like, people will come into Salem and seek out the home in which the novel was based on. Very much like Hocus Pocus. And, oh my gosh, so much, like, just down the street here. Like, people come and they flock down the street to see Max's house. They're like, oh my God, it's Max's house, duh. Yep. And to the point the police have to put up barriers to be like, don't do that. It's funny, the tour guide actually made that same comparison on tour. Oh, did he? Yeah, it was funny. He's like, he talked about people going up to the front door and like poor people <laughs> probably did have to deal with that. Like, oh, can we come inside? Yeah. Can we get a look? Yeah. So the Upton family saw the interest that was being generated and thought, hey, Let's give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. So they did start charging. Uh, you could you could pay twenty five cents to go tour the parlor. Same and as the cost of seeing an elephant. Oh, very nice. A hundred years earlier, touché, but still touche. <laughs> um, and they also started producing souvenirs, which I found fascinating because we talk so much about Daniel Lowen mm-hmm. Company and the and, s- the, and spoon, the spoon, but not a cup. Or a saucer or yeah. a plate. So the house was purchased by Henry and Elizabeth Upton. Their daughter, Ida Upton, hand-painted witches, like your typical witch riding a broomstick. W- w- when was this? This is in the late 1800s. So when people... No, sorry, that's not the word I'm looking for. I tried to figure out if she proceeded... Daniel Lowe, and I don't think so because he's 1890 yeah. with the witch spoon. Yeah. Hers came within the next like 10, 15 years. So when people complain about the tourism industry in Salem, you're like, guys. It's been going on for 100 years. At a minimum. Like 130, 90, 130. 130 years at this point. Like, yeah. Put put that put that back in the bag. Have <laughs> have fun. But so cool. Yeah, so this, it is it is really cool that that it, these people even 130 years ago sort of saw the connection, the trials, saw the popularity, and and wove that all together. It also helped that Hawthorne's story um, is a little more macabre. So sort of the Victorian author, right? Yep. Um, it's not like. Yay, and whatever. So it does have a little spooky, little witchy in the story, which then reflects what people are looking for when they come to the house. Side note, when I was looking at the wrong year. 1914. 1914, trying to find Caroline in the obituaries, I did come across a random article where in which this town was called Witch City. And I was like... I wonder when the first damn use. isn't that so interesting? So it's at least nineteen fourteen. Yeah, and it was just like casually referenced. Yeah, with 
the witch cities. The ladies of Salem. I can't read that word. I know. United Order of the Golden Cross. Held a supper in Phillips Hall last. Yeah, it's very blurry. Isn't that? Like yeah, I, I had yeah. to stop and take a picture. I was like, "What am I seeing right now?" That's this is 1914. Cool. So yes, we've been Witch City for a very, very long time. <clears throat> Bewitch definitely gave us a boost, mm. but we were here before that. So while the Uptons owned the house uh, and were turning it, turning it, uh, and were allowing visitors, who is a visitor, but none other than Caroline Emerton. She takes a tour of the house. I believe she was early 13 or so. Yeah, she definitely went when she was younger. Yeah, and is inspired by the house. And just as so many others had been, just as as Hawthorne had been. And then so several years later, when the Uptons are moving on and this settlement idea comes up, uh, she then uses her inheritance and her money to save this house. And to help her do so, she hired Joseph Chandler, a very well-known architect in mm-hmm. the area, to restore the building. He had recently... I was going to say, he was just coming off of another historical preservation. Yeah. He's responsible for the Paul Revere House in mm-hmm. Boston, which is wicked cool if anyone uh, gets a chance to do that. He's also known for restoring the Mayflower House in Plymouth and the Old State House in Boston. Damn, guy's got a resume. Yeah, well, I mean, she could afford it, right? Yeah. So he was probably one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known, colonial revival architect in the country. So this is 1908. She buys it, and then it opens in 1910. So they spent a couple years renovating. And um, changing things? Yeah, they added a couple things. So I, I love this. I love this so much. It's great. So they first and foremost restore it to its 17th century appearance. So Mm -hmm. what it would have looked like in the 1600s. Which is inspired, which they didn't know, but they were inspired by the descriptions in the book, House of Seven Gables. And there's a character in there in particular Mm -hmm. who appears to jump from one floor to the next but without anyone seeing him go down the main staircase. Mm -hmm. So what does Caroline Emerton do? She builds a secret staircase. So cool. So the inspiration for the House of Seven Gables comes from the book, The House of Seven Gables, which was inspired by the House of Seven Gables. It's such a weird... Yeah. Yeah, so so unique. Um, there's no uh, his, there's a vague historical record of a secret staircase. Um, is there? So Hawthorne writes that in in the book, right? Um, and then uh, Upton had mentioned that there, like during refurbishment, like they found like oh, you know, like there was a space behind the chimney or, or whatever else, and. They utilized that as evidence that there was a staircase, which there likely was not. But just like secret tunnels. They're cool. They're cool. They're and so she, cool. She knew that. She's like, oh, we're going to have this historic house. We're going to add in this cool secret feature, which is then what everyone's going to come and see because it can reference the book. 
And people, I mean, as we said, it's just freaking cool. Yeah. People have been climbing that staircase. You get an opportunity to do it while you're on tour. They've been doing it for over a hundred years at this point, which is just such a cool way to connect with mm-hmm. people from the past. Like we're all there for the same reason. Secret staircase. It's it's so fun. And I think up until the early 2000s, uh, they said that it was historically accurate. That it was original to the house. Yes. Which it's not. Yeah, we can definitely look to Hawthorne and Caroline yeah. for that one. Yeah. So she, I, I don't want to say it's like a theme park, right? But like, yes, it's a historical home. Yes, it's full of historical artifacts, which is a whole nother conversation. But she alters it to make it more popular from the reference of a popular book. Which adds like a whole different layer to it and makes it... I, I wouldn't... No, I, I'd say that is probably historically unique. Yeah. I, I don't... Like it, where else can you find some... It kind of reminds me of the Winchester Mystery House. She has a staircase to nowhere, but that's because there was a earthquake mm-hmm. that like disrupted... You shifted like, the house? Yep. Okay. And they had to make renovations and she thought, oh, well... Let's just cut it off. And so when people tour it today, they're like, oh, this lady was yeah. crazy. But in reality, there was a total yeah. explanation behind uh, it. Caroline saw an opportunity to use it as uh, both historical preservation and money making. Um, and the house is full of weird historical stuff. Um, yeah, kind of like um, a mismatch of... Which it, is... Is also really cool. So when it comes to historical preservation, there's um, like, do you leave it as you found it or do you restore it to what it should be? Right. Right. And, and I think there's a mix of there both is, of like those. Like the hole in the wall yep. right, where you can see the original plaster and, and wood beams next to the wallpaper that would have existed Um at whatever, I can't remember when. Oh, the that, old wallpaper in yeah. that place was amazing. But it's like, but it gives you that just juxtaposition of here I am in, you know, 2023, looking at this house the way it was when it was preserved. And here's a literal window. In time. In time, past that, to see what's in the house. And even the furniture, um, which I guess she... Um, she started to collect. To collect. Uh is is from a variety of periods as well to to show the history of the house uh which is is just it is really it's like this sliding scale uh through history um it's it's really neat and why it's so important to take a tour when you yeah. do it because it it definitely needs some explanation so if you do come to visit the house you not only get to tour the house of seven gables itself but there are several different properties on the campus i guess we could call it yeah i i loved this fact because i come from michigan as i said a million times and a place that we've always gone for uh field trips or just like as a family to see is greenfield village which is also now known as the henry ford yes Um, yes so it's basically a collection of different historic homes and structures from literally all over the country and when you look at it kind of like it's like where's the rhyme or reason it was just henry ford wanting to collect stuff um and and thinking that he was the one to showcase historic preservation during this moment in time 
I know the dude like sold cars, but also a Nazi, but yeah, whatever. yes, definitely a huge, uh, anti-Semite for sure. Um, <laughs> I actually was pursuing a paper on how he thought the Jewish people were behind Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Oh, yeah. It's great that we have the same conspiracy theories like 200 years later. Unreal. Yeah. But anyways, he collected all of these historic structures, and Greenfield Village is pretty large. There's a lot to see. House Seven Gables, Salem, it's a small area, but they jammed quite a few places into that, including Nathaniel Hawthorne's birthplace. And that is, I, I think, the most recent. Yes, it yeah. comes in after she, uh, after she passes. Yeah. But the first one, I believe, came in 1912. I know for sure they had at least two, if not three buildings by 1924. And that makes it the first ever example of one of these campuses, these collections of historic buildings from different areas Mm -hmm. all coming together for one cohesive interpretation, which I just think is so cool um, that this is the first. Again, we're the first. Salem's the first. And and it also is not just that, but it's also for places like Plymouth or um, Sturbridge Village, right? Those that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like yeah places yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's she's she's like it it it's like oh that house is going to be torn. We're going to take that and put it on the camp. We're going to take that and put it on the campus. We're going to take these homes that had historical importance and preservation, um, which go her right because otherwise they probably would have been lost. Yeah, yeah. When reflecting on the house as the location for such uh, an endeavor, creating the settlement um, house and then using the House Seven Gables mm-hmm. to fund all of those efforts. Oh, yeah. Did, did we, I think we, did we express, ex- explicitly say that? I don't, I think we did. Okay. That, like when you buy a ticket, that money goes directly into yeah. the settlement um, set up yeah. as it still does today, which yeah. is really cool. Cause when you go take a tour, you feel like, you know, you're giving back to the community. Yeah. So when they selected the house as the location for headquarters, Caroline said, quote, if as is generally conceded, the settlements do the best Americanization work. Should not this settlement excel whose home is the ancient house of Seven Gables, the foundations of which were laid by the first immigrants who came here long ago, strangers in a strange land? So the the settlement house is is used, like we said, to, to, to help uh, these people coming to Salem. Uh, there was a heavy Polish population, uh, Russian, Ukraine, uh, Middle Eastern uh, Irish, French Canadians, Italian, and, uh, there were classes of all sorts, like literally, um, English classes, music classes, theater classes. There was childcare, there was healthcare, right? So you could go see doctors. She also had traveling nurses. So the, the house seven Gables had would train nurses. So some of these immigrants would come learn to be nurses and then work at the settlement house going and to, other uh, people in the city and in the area who couldn't afford to medical care and go and volunteer their time uh, as um, medical professionals. The 1913 Settlements House report that there were eight clubs for boys, three clubs for girls, mother's group, men's club, class and cooking, housekeeping, dress keeping, dancing, 
it says dramatics, not ceramics, but cool. <laughs> uh, dramatics, nursing, sewing, embroidery, laundry work, as well as, as well as manual training for boys, storytelling, gymnastics, a library, garden club, summer camp. So much. Like. So much. And this is why, like, you see some of the, the like, the Polish club is right down the right, street right from there. Right there. Yeah. So these populations would end up settling and moving into this area where all those community resources uh, for them were. Yeah, she definitely serviced a lot of people in the Derby Street neighborhood. That's where they settled primarily. But, of course, now in modern day, that stretches all over the city, mm-hmm. if it, not the region. I was going to say. I don't, I, I don't think it's it's just Salem no, anymore. Yeah. So these people coming in and, and, and learning these trades and these skills got their start there. And she would distinctly help them on their way. Again, just plays into like how unique the home itself is. The fact that it is not only the inspiration and the product of one of the greatest American novels, but then also becomes this beacon for people coming to Salem and it still is acting in such a way over a hundred years later. And it was all primarily set up by a woman. Like it's just, it's such a cool spot. It, it really is. And uh, it, it has such a, an effect on Salem. And I, I love that, that people still flock here to see, like out of all the things that people can do in this city, the fact that so many people actively choose to go there is I don't want to say remarkable, but you know, like things get. It is. Yeah. Some things go out of style. Yes. I feel like there the House of Seven Gables is never going to go yeah. out of style. Yeah. You want to know why? Why? Because it's got a secret staircase. Yeah. That'll <laughs> never go out of style. I heard there's secret tunnels from this. Oh my God. From the secret staircase that leads. Oh. That leads to the. To the, to the bunghole? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I tried without laughing. Oh, that Unsuccessful. Was, yeah, it was in my head, and I just, I just couldn't say it without it laughing. It is just a stone's throw. Yeah. No tunnels, though. Oh, my gosh, 10 miles. Ugh. <laughs> so she lives this amazing life, uh, never marries, mm-hmm. never has children, mm-hmm. and dies at the age of 76 on St. Patrick's Day, in 1942. She would be, we just, 2016, they had a big uh, exhibit and show and whatnot over there uh, for her 150th anniversary. So this would have been her 158th birthday this past year. Did I do that right? I think so. Oh, heck yeah. Don't add, I'm pulling up my calculator. <laughs> no, it's not. 157. Damn it. You were one oh, off. That Not was bad. So close. <laughs> I didn't show my work. The nuns would be so mad. Is that just about? We got we got a last minute. Oh, she's buried in Harmony Grove Cemetery. Oh, yes. How I don't know how I missed all these people. I mean, I guess I don't seek out who's buried there too often. Mm-hmm. I just go there to enjoy like the atmosphere. The atmosphere yeah. But dang. You're so gonna have to have to go go get her. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna go find her. I went and found Daniel Lowe. He was behind a bush. Um, so he's kinda hard to see, but all the way to the left side. And then um, maybe we'll go together and we find can do that. Yeah. Caroline. Yeah. Caroline. 
But I guess it's no surprise she's buried in Harmony Grove because her grandpa, Bertram, has like the biggest darn thing in there. Yeah, it's like, oh. (laughs) Got a little clip here from the Salem Evening News from her death. Salem Evening News called Emerton one of Salem's best beloved citizens and noted that she gave freely of her time and money for the benefit of underprivileged children and adults winning the admiration and respect of the entire community. And on that note, thanks for listening. See you later.